0: The reading this morning is taken from Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 24, and chapter 8, verse 1. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who does it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no. The evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do. It is no longer I who does it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: God. Good morning, everybody. What a beautiful morning uh, that we have this morning, and uh, it just reminds us just how good God is to us. We are, this is the last of our series on Reformation truths, and as uh, Victor already kind of introduced, we're talking about the fact that we are sinners and saints at the same time. It was a few months ago, and I've changed the names, but a guy comes to me, we'll call him Jack, and Jack is telling me that he's just kind of stuck in a rut. No matter what he does, he can't seem to get ahead, and so we pray about it, and we come up with a plan, and he goes back to work, and uh, he becomes a model employee. He's the first one to get there in the morning. He's the last one to leave at night. He smiles, he forces himself to smile at every person and be nice to everyone. He does exactly what his boss tells him to do. And sure enough, his production rate just continues to climb through the roof. He's the most productive in the office. And so one day the the boss sends out an office memo and says, someone is getting a promotion and I want to call a staff meeting today to announce who that is. And so they all come to the staff meeting and he says, this person has really worked hard. They work long hours. Their production rate is is through the roof. Uh, Just a a joy to be around in the office. And as he's talking about this, Jack's going, hmm. And then the boss says, congratulations, Dan. Jack didn't get it. And so he comes back to me the next day, and he says, Pastor, that's the story of my life. It seems like no matter what I try to do, I'm always stuck I'm always in a rut. It's the story of my life. Well, today we come to a section of Scripture where Paul is very transparent, the apostle. And under the Holy Spirit, he kind of gives us the story of his life. He says that the good things I want to do, I I don't do them. The bad things I don't want to do, sometimes that's what I end up doing. And he says, I don't understand it. It's, It's terrible in my life. The story of my life what's the problem well he goes on to explain that uh, the problem is sin on the one hand uh, god has made him a new creation he has been born anew by water and the spirit and he and as a new person he comes forth to live for christ every day right but on the other hand this mysterious thing i often ask i'm going to ask the lord when i get to heaven why do why is still sin still hanging around Why do I still end up doing things that I don't want to do? Why is that the story of my life, anyway? Uh, It reminds me kind of sometimes uh, what happens with my grandkids. Those of you who are grandparents know how much fun it is to to play with the grandkids because you're not really responsible for them. You can enjoy the fun times and then they go home, you know. Uh, So I I love to sit there. We've got a a four-year-old and a two-year-old. And one of the things they love to do is build towers out of blocks. And now we're into Legos okay, and they love to build these things, but there's one thing that they love even more than building them. What would it be? Yeah, tearing them down. And so uh, we'll build and we'll build and and it's really fun. And then I'll turn my head and all of a sudden I hear a crash and I go over there and there's my grandson with a smile on his face. Sorry, grandpa. (laughs) He's not sorry at all, right? you find yourself wanting to build your life? That's the way the Apostle Paul was. He wanted to reflect Christ's presence in his life. He wanted to do the right thing. He wanted to live in a relationship with God and others that brought respect and honor to God. But he says, it seems like in my life I'm just constantly knocking down the the tower, the wall that I built, the joy that I have. Paul struggles with this. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. And so, what's the problem? What's the cause of that? He goes on, he says, I know that nothing good lives in me. Nothing? That's a pretty strong word. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. So if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin that lives in me. What's the culprit? It's sin. Now, Paul isn't trying to excuse his sin here, but he points out the influence and the control of the sinful nature that he has. It's important that we understand what sin is, and the world's understanding of sin is different from what Scripture is. In fact, the the Greek word for sin has to do with a target, and a sin is when you miss the mark. Now, in the center of the target, what's in the center of the target? Bullseye, if you're archery or, or target shooting, and that's where God has a right to expect that you all hit every single time. Because that's what God created us for. Adam and Eve were created in the garden and they, it says that they were created in the image of God. They had a perfect relationship with God without sin. But we know what happened. They rebelled against God. They, 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 They became disobedient. It was all about themselves and not about what God wanted for them. And after that, every single person born after Adam and Eve, including you and me, has been born sinful. And not only are we born with sin, but then it's the sin that we do. And not just in our actions, but also in our thoughts, even the Bible says, and in our words. And it's not just what we do wrong, but when we fail to do the right. And so sin is an issue, and it is part of us. You know, sin is not very popular today, is it, to talk about? Even in churches, we have a tendency to use different words for sin. Uh, Brokenness, uh, a malady. Uh, We've got shortcomings. We've got failures. And so we try to kind of walk around that word sin. Uh, have you ever? It's, I, I've had people say, "I'd go to church, Pastor, but but all you are is negative over there." I go to church feeling good, and I come out feeling bad. I've heard Pastor people say, "Pastor, uh, when you were preaching, you were looking right at me. Did you talk to my wife before this church service?" <laughs> because of sin that we inherited and the sin that we do, the Bible says that even the good things that we think that we do are tainted. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 64. All of us have become like one who is unclean. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Wow. That's demoralizing, isn't it? The the apostle points to a law or a pattern, and it's this. He says, I want to do what is right, but evil is always close at hand. Have you ever noticed sometimes in the old cartoons, uh, someone has a moral dilemma, and they're weighing, should I do the good thing, or is it okay for me to do the bad thing? And as a result, uh, up on their shoulders, you see different characters. You see the one on, on, the, uh, on the right is the, is the good angel with, with the uh, harp and the wings and the white, okay, whispering in your ear. You need to do what what is right make the good choice okay but on the other side there you've got the evil angel with the pitchfork and the red and the and the red outfit whispering in the other ear saying it's okay do what you want if it feels good do it and so we're in this kind of tug of war and in fact in verse 23 the apostle paul says that this battle within us is war and the question is which side is going to win And so this leads to the breaking point, finally, when he cries out, What a wretched man that I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Finally, that's what sin does to us it causes us to be wretched. Now, maybe you haven't been there, or maybe it's been a long time since you have felt wretched because of your sin. It's not a good thing, but it's the truth. It wasn't that long ago that I had a young lady come to me in tears. She sat down and she said, I can't tell anyone else this, Pastor, but I think I can tell you. He said, when I was in college, I made a mistake. And I got pregnant. And I didn't want to tell my parents. I didn't want to get married. I couldn't get married at the time. And so I had an abortion. And she says, every day I live with that. And I just it makes me cry all the time to think about the fact that i killed my child is there any hope for me you see that's what it means to feel to like to be wretched but it's not just that girl every single one of us has the same problem we all miss the mark And while God does not rate sins as some being worse than others, there are certain consequences. The ones that are in the paper, the DUI, so forth, those are out in the open all the time, aren't they? But we've all got secret sins. We've all got sins that condemn us. And finally, along with the Apostle Paul, we realize that we've got an issue. And we don't want to do these things, but we do them and while god on the one hand is working in our hearts to make us new creatures through his word and his sacrament to renew our hearts and our minds and our wills we still have this sinful nature that we are doing battle with i want to trust god i want to trust god in every any and every circumstance but when problems and situations come up i get stressed out and i begin to worry and i begin to doubt I want to read God's Word faithfully. I know I should, but I get, when I'm supposed to do my devotions in the morning, I start thinking about all the stuff that i got to do that day. And so I jump into that, and sometimes I'm halfway through the day, and I realize that I had not even talked to God in prayer. We want to be kind and gentle and patient with people, but I get tired, I get cranky, I get moody, and it starts to get the best of me. I, I, I know I want to be sexually pure. As a husband, as a father, but there are so many temptations out there that sometimes your eyes start to wander. We deserve to, you know, to for others to be spoken well of, right? And that's our desire uh, to put the best construction on everything. But gossip seems way too easy. And after all, it's a good conversation starter, right? And so, just like Paul in our Bible lesson, we end up doing what we don't want to do. Sin is always close by. It's always an option. Is this frustrating? It was for the Apostle Paul. You can see it between the lines. Is it disappointing? You bet. Can it be depressing? Without a doubt. Wretched person that I am. But listen to the question again that comes after that. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this story of my life that just keeps going on and on? Well, if we stopped right there, we would walk out with that kind of emoji, with the frown, right? But that's not where the story stops. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Listen to the answer. The Apostle Paul gives it. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the one who answers the question, who will deliver me? Who will save me from this wretched sin that I have that is so close to me in every part of my life? It's thanks be to God, it's Jesus. Because what did Jesus do? He suffered what we should have suffered, He took our punishment, He took our damnation on the cross. He suffered the punishment for sin, the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And then on the third day, he rose again from the dead to defeat that sin. So that that's why the the final verse of this section, it's chapter 8, verse 1, but it really goes with this section. Therefore, and whenever there's a therefore, it means as a result, consequently, therefore, as a result, there is now no condemnation, For those who are in Christ Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And for that lady, for that young lady who had the abortion, I took her down and we sat there underneath the cross. We kneeled at the altar. I said, Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue, as being your pastor and friend, announce to you the grace of God that you are forgiven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And those are the best words that we can hear. That's the grace of God. Who will deliver me from this body of death? It's Jesus. And he's there for you, and he's there for me. We are sinners and saints at the same time. We got the sin part down. Let's talk about the saint. You know, uh, the world defines saint also differently than then the Bible uh, defines it as well. When, help me out here. Who, can you think of someone who is a saint? Give me some names. Give me a name. Saint. Mother Teresa. That's the one that comes to mind right away. She did so many good things. She got right down into the, with the poor. She helped out. She built clinics. She did so much. Any others? St. Francis. Friend to animals and people, Right. Uh, Think of the biblical saints. We could think of St. Peter, St. Paul, right? Many of our churches are named after them. St. John. But the common definition of a saint has to do with people's actions. They are a saint because they have holy or sanctified action. That's not the way the Bible defines saint. A saint has nothing to do with your action or my action. A saint has to do everything with God's action. And what did God do to make you holy? He clothed you with the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ, so that when God looks on you, He doesn't see your sin, He sees Jesus, His Son. That's why the Bible calls believers in Christ holy ones or saints. That's why we can be a sinner at the same time as we are a saint. Finally, in the end, it's a comfort to us, isn't it? This Reformation teaching that we are sinners and saints at the same time. It doesn't mean that we enjoy sinning or that we keep on sinning. We don't keep on knocking down those blocks, right? But what it means is that in the end, I am a saint by grace through my faith in Jesus, so that now I want to do what is right. I want to, do, to love and to care for people. I want to be the arms of Jesus in this world. Not that I have to, that somehow I'm earning my keep in the kingdom of God, but I want to. That's what a saint does. And isn't it a comfort to know that as we're stuck in the middle between saint and sinner, and we have this tug-of-war going on sometimes... That Jesus is right there in the middle with us. That He's right there to guide us and to lead us, and when we fail, to pick us back up and forgive us. You know, as when you study the American Revolution, one of the things that I'm—it always amazes me—is that the Continental Army lost way more battles than they won. They did. Read, read, read some of that history. And yet, in spite of losing a lot of battles, they won the key battles. And the key battles secured the American victory, and that's why we have a country called the United States of America. When it comes to our lives, we're still going to lose some battles when it comes to our sinful flesh. But the key victory, the one that Jesus won on the cross and by his resurrection has been secured, has been won. And so, yes, we go on as a sinner, but more importantly, we go forward every day as a saint, forgiven and secured in the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And this, my friend, this becomes the story of our lives. Amen? Amen. So may the peace of God which passes human understanding keep our hearts in our minds as sinners, in the Lord Jesus Christ, to be assured of his grace and his forever mercy. Amen. Let's all stand as we share.